Anyway, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and then also 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, beginning in verse number 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 22 says this, but by the grace of God, and this is my Popeye verse. Now, why do I say it slowly like that? Because I said Popeye in the first service, and, and nobody knows what Popeye is, and so I'm saying pop. I, okay? Everybody remember Popeye eats his spinach? This is my Popeye verse. Ready? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what it says, right? And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 22, the apostle Paul continues. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all of the churches. Skipping down to chapter 12, verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows. He was caught up into paradise, and he heard inexpressible words which are not lawful for a man to utter. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Back in the day, we used to talk about faithfulness in church. And we used to talk about how you need to be faithful in the good times and in the bad times. Faithful in the up times and the down times. Faithful in the times of plenty and the times of want. Faithful when all the stars are aligning and faithful when the sun isn't shining. And we used to talk about how he who is faithful to the end will overcome. We used to talk about if you're faithful over a few things that God will make you ruler over many things. And all of that is important and it's powerful and it's still needed. But I just learned something recently that the young people have a different way of expressing faithfulness, of of staying at something when it's difficult. They call it grinding. And so you see all the hashtags, hashtag on my grind. Back in my day, grinding didn't mean nothing like that. It meant bumping and grinding, Patrick Swayze, dirty dancing, grinding. That's what it meant back in my day. But in their day, grinding is like staying with something when, it, when, it's, when it's difficult. And so wherever you go, they have all these hashtags for this. It's hashtag on my grind and hashtag, you know, grind city and hashtag grind and grind, uh, rise and grind and all these different things. And there's grind apps and there's a, a song out, right? now. It's even called On My Grind. I don't recommend it. I've never listened to it. I can't vouch for it, but I just know it's popular. And it seems like this thing has infiltrated our society, this, this, this grind word. And I, I want to take a little post 
from the Apostle Paul. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he put up this post. He said this. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. And if Paul were putting that up today, if he were posting that today, he would simply say, hashtag grace for the grind. And that's my my subject this morning. That's what I want to minister to you about. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to every one of our hearts? Would you speak to us here at our production campus in New Milford, in, in Atlanta, in Waterbury, in New York, wherever people are tuning in from? And Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make this message real to every person? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... All right, you got to help me out just a minute as you're being seated. Would you encourage a couple people? Just tell them there's grace for your grind. Come on, Atlanta. Tell somebody. Come on, New York. Come on, Waterbury. Tell somebody there's grace for your grind. Amen, amen, amen. As we come to our text, you will note that whenever you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, he is always talking about his grind. All of the time. Matter of fact, in our opening text, one of the things he says is, he says, I was the least of all the apostles, but I worked harder than everybody else. In other words, I was grinding. And then when you get to the next portion of the text that we read, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, listen to him describe his grind. He says, I was in labors more abundantly grinding. He said, I was in stripes above measure grinding. What does that mean, stripes above measure? Well, he was beaten five different times with a Roman cat and nine tail. It was a whip that had 39 cords on it, and in that cord were bones and sharp objects so that when it hit your body, it would pull off chunks of flesh the size of a man's hand. He says, I was beaten with whips five times. He says, I was on my grind. He said, I was in prison often on my grind. I was beaten with rods, turned upside down, barefoot, beaten with metal rods across my feet so that I couldn't walk anymore. He's talking about his grind. He says, I was shipwrecked on my grind. I was hungry and thirsty on my grind. He says, I have money at some times and sometimes I don't. I know what it's like to abase and abound on my grind. He says, I was stoned several times. By the way, you don't want to miss next week's message. Next week's message, are you ready for what it's called? Can you handle this? It's called Everybody Gets Stoned. It's a fact. There's not a person, I I think, over the age of probably like 12 that doesn't get stoned at least one or two times in their life. And some of you are like, seriously, Pastor, really, really, really? Come on next week. I'll tell you what it's all about. This is not a time to miss service next week. But Paul is talking about he was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He was in perils of his own countrymen. He, He was beaten with rods and beaten with whips. What's he talking about? He's talking about his grind, his daily grind. And every time you read the Apostle Paul, he's always talking about the grueling grind that he went through. And when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, what you find is that the Apostle Paul is actually defending his apostleship. He's defending his apostleship because these these perpetrators, these haters, came into the church, perpetrated to be apostles so that they could shipwreck the faith of the Corinthian church, of the people that Paul had just led to the Lord. And the way they chose to do that was by discrediting the apostleship of Paul. How many of you know there will always be people who are haters? There will always be haters who pass out the haterade for everybody else to drink so that they can get more people to hate you and what God has called you to do. But here's the thing that you have to realize is the Bible says, let the ignorant be ignorant still. There's only a few times when you need to check a hater. And one time is if it's affecting somebody else's salvation. And this was the case. 
with the Apostle Paul. He came into this church. He founded this church. He led these people to the Lord. And now these, 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 these imposters came in. And they pretended that the Apostle Paul didn't know what he was talking about. They tried to discredit his apostleship so they could shipwreck the faith of the people that he led to the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul, not from a bragging way, but from a protecting of the sheep that he led to the Lord, had to defend his apostleship. And so as he defends his apostleship, he says all sorts of different things. And what I really find particularly interesting is what they said about the Apostle Paul, all sorts of things. But do you really they got a, believe they got as low as actually saying? saying that he was ugly and he couldn't preach. Now, I don't know about you, but, but this would hurt me. It wouldn't hurt me if you said that I was ugly because everybody would know how foolish you were. Just playing right now. But if you said that I couldn't preach, I mean, you'd just be hurting my feelings. If you want to hurt the feelings of a preacher, you tell a preacher that he can't preach. And this is what they said about the Apostle Paul. Now, you've got to understand how low this stuff was because the Apostle Paul was ugly. And the reason why he was ugly was because he was beaten with the Roman cat of nine tails across his back and across his chest. And when you whip somebody with a, a whip that has 39 different lashes... That whip isn't always going to hit the place that you aim for. And so it probably hit him in the face. And it probably disfigured him. More than likely, he was pretty ugly. But he was ugly for the gospel. And here you have these people who come in there and actually get so low in trying to discredit the Apostle Paul that they called somebody who got beat for the sake of the gospel ugly. It just goes to show you how easily we are persuaded by things and by people who are just so far gone and how easily the enemy can blind our eyes because they should have picked up on it right away and said, yeah, but, but he did that for the gospel why would you say something like that? But then they said the man can't preach. And so the Apostle Paul, at the end of his defense of his apostleship, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he says this, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He's basically saying, you said I can't preach, but every time I preach, God shows up. Every time I preach signs and wonders and miracles and God confirms the preaching of the word by heaven invading the particular place. And so he said, you may not like my preaching, but, but God likes my preaching. And so he's defending his apostleship. Again, not to brag, but in order to protect those who are being led astray. And in the process of defending his apostleship, he talks a lot about his grind. And in talking about his grind, he teaches some th- us some things about our grind. And the first thing that he teaches us, number one on your outline, is the grind can get to you. Notice what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. He says, because of this thing, or concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. In other words, this thing began to get to me. This grind began to get to me so much so that I went to God three times about it. Now, I just want to take a minute. I want to clear up what this thing was because a lot of people, in, in hearing Paul talk about this thing, Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh, have taught incorrectly, have believed incorrectly that Paul had a physical ailment that was his thorn in the flesh. And they guess at it. But it says so right here in the Scripture what it is. Watch this. Verse number 7 and verse number 8 in context. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me. Well, what was the thorn in the flesh? Look at the next portion of the verse. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. What was the thorn in the flesh? It was a messenger of Satan 
to buffet me. What is a messenger? A messenger in the original language is a sent one. Literally what the apostle Paul is saying is this. My grind was so grueling because the enemy, Satan himself, sent one of his imps so that everywhere I went, he tried to stop me. Everywhere I went, I faced shipwrecks. Everywhere I went, I faced stonings. Everywhere I went, I, fa- I faced beatings. Everywhere I went, I was whipped with, 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 with a Roman cat of nine tail. Everywhere I went, the grueling grind was coming at me to try to stop me from doing and being everything that God wanted me to be. And if I'm honest with you, he says, started to get to me. Three times I went to God. God, you need, you need to do something about this. God, you need to do something about this. God, I, I need some help here, God. God, this, this grind is it's starting to get to me. God, I'm questioning my calling. God, I'm questioning you. I'm asking why. I'm asking why, God. Why now? Why me? I'm asking, God, this grind is getting to me. Let's face it, the grind can get to us all, can it? The grind makes us want to quit. You know the number one reach, reason why preachers quit? It's because of the grind. It gets too hard. One of the number one reasons why marriages fail is because of the grind. Because, because suddenly you realize that you don't wake up every day going, oh, you are the most beautiful thing that I've ever laid eyes on. And there, there are some days when, when you wake up and you're like, oh, man, you need a shower, a bath, or something like that. You know, that breath is kicking just a little bit too much. I mean, there are some days where you've got to grind in order to stay in love. Grinding makes kids drop out of school because it's too hard to study and to get their degree and grind and makes people settle for a lesser life because it's difficult. The grind can get to all of us. But Paul teaches us something about what to do when the grind begins to get to you. Did you notice what he did? He said, I went to the Lord, not once, not twice, not three. I went three times to God because when the grind gets to you, the greatest thing that you could do is go to God because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And when the righteous run into it, they are safe. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my rock and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. What are you supposed to do when the grind gets to you? You got to run to God. You run to God in prayer. Why? Prayer changes things and prayer works and God invites us to. He says, call on to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Come on, call to me, God says. God says, come to me in prayer. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. Prayer invites the movement and the presence and the power of the hand that moves the universe. He says, when the grind is getting to you, come to me in prayer. Not only come to me in prayer, come to me in praise. Because when we praise him, the chains that seem to bind us drop powerless behind us. When we praise him, he opens our prison doors. When When we praise him, his presence comes and fills our space. Praise him when the grind begins to get to you. Pray to him when the grind begins to get to you. Go to him and ask him for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally to all men and upbraideth not, and it will be given him. Part of the problem with the grind is we don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix the grind. We don't know how to make the grind easier. We don't know how to make the grind better. We don't know how to see a payoff before the grind. And so what does God say? Don't run from me. Run to me. What else do we do? Run to God. Find God. Go to God in church when you're going through the grind. Isn't it amazing that when the grind gets kicked up in our lives, what does the enemy do? He separates us from church. You know, that never bothers me all that much because I realize we're all human beings. And sometimes I think the only reason why it doesn't separate me from church is because I got to be here. <laughs> Can I just be real with you? 
Because, you know, the enemy, that's what he tries to do, is he tries to separate us from God's house. Because if he can separate us from God's house when the grind gets kicked up in our life, all of a sudden we're not hearing that inspirational and that encouraging word that God has prepared for us. We're not coming in and around the people who can encourage us and pray with us and maybe catch on that we're feeling down because of the grind and remind us of what the word of God has to say and give us a different perspective. And so the apostle Paul is teaching us something about the grind. He's saying, when the grind gets to you, go to God. Why? Because God can get you through your new Milford grind. God can get you through your Atlanta grind. He can get you through your Waterbury grind, your New York City grind, your financial grind, your marriage grind, your job grind, your health grind, your education grind. God can get you through your grind. So go to God. Go to God when the grind gets difficult. But the second thing the Apostle Paul teaches us is the grind is sent to work against us. Watch this. Verse number 7 again, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Watch this. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Some translations erroneously are translated, lest I should become conceited. Can I just tell you the Apostle Paul did not have a conceit problem? Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul knew exactly who he was. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? I shouldn't be saved. But on a Damascus road when I was headed in the wrong direction, God stopped me and turned me in the right direction. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I should be going to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven because by his grace, he saved me. Paul did not have a conceit problem. It's one of the worst translations in the Bible. The better translations is how the New King James and the King James and maybe some other translations translate it. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Literally what it means is lest I should be lifted above my circumstances. How many of you know when the grind comes into your life, if you could stay right there in the middle of the grind, you'll lose who you are. The grind will make you grumpy. Ever get around grumpy people who are grumpy because of the grind? They're, they're like, they're, they're the bit. It's like some people think that they're the only people in life that are bit busy. Well, I got so much to do. You know, I just can't, I don't know why. You know, you don't got as much to do that I got to do. Please. Right? And they get, they get grumpy because of the grind. Because the grind is sent to work against you. The grind will make you grumpy if you live in the grind. But if you can live above the grind, if you can be exalted above measure, if you can begin to walk in the victory that's inside of me, the old song used to say, right? If you can begin to walk in a higher perspective, then the grind won't get to you. The grind won't make you grumpy. But the grind will have the opposite effect. It'll make you great. The Apostle Paul is saying, I don't have a conceit problem. Matter of fact, listen to how he, he defends his apostleship. He qualifies it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16, he says, I say again, let no one think me as a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I may also boast a little bit. He's saying, you're hearing all that boasting from all those people who are pretending to be apostles? He said, I'm going to be a fool right now. I realize that what I'm about to do is foolish. I'm not gassing myself up because I want to make myself look good. I'm gassing myself up here just so you'll understand that my apostleship comes behind nobody else's apostleship so that your faith won't be shipwrecked. He is qualifying what he is saying about himself. He goes on in verse number 21. He says, to our shame. I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. 
I am also bold. In other words, I'm, I know I shouldn't be bragging. I know it's not the right thing to do. 2 Corinthians 12, 11, He says, I have become a fool in boasting because you have compelled me. In other words, you're the ones that have caused me to stoop to this level because you got shipwrecked by somebody, by some people who are saying that I'm ugly because I got beat for the gospel. And so I've got to come here and I've got to qualify why I am qualified so that you guys won't be shipwrecked in your faith. He doesn't have a conceit problem. That's not what the scripture is talking about. He's saying, listen, this grind was sent to work against me. This this grind was sent to keep me from being the Apostle Paul. This grind was sent to stop me from writing two-thirds of the New Testament. This grind was sent to stop me from fulfilling my destiny in Christ. Do you know why the grind comes against you? To stop you from being who you are in Christ and to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. But I want to declare something over you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And if you'll just rise up in who Christ has made you to be, the grind won't make you grumpy. It'll make you great. We have a choice when it comes to the grind. I like what Viktor Frankl said. Viktor Frankl is a famous um, psychologist who survived the Nazi concentration camps He lived to tell about it, and he said this. He said, the the greatest and last of all human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. You get to choose if you're going to be grumpy or if you're going to be great. You get to choose whether you'll go down bitter road or better road. I like what Bethany Hamilton said. She said this. She's the the one that was chronicled in Soul Surfer. You remember that that movie, Soul Surfer? She was the one. She was surfing in Hawaii, and she got bit by a shark. Her arm got taken off, and this was her life. You know, she loved to surf. And so instead of letting the shark attack keep her out of the waters, you know what she did? She went back and surfed with one arm. And she was the first person to ever win surf competition after surf competition after surf competition with one arm. Why? Because she chose to not get bitter because of the grind, but to get better because of the grind. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, therefore, I most gladly, I I, I most gladly will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Even if the grind is sent to take me out, I'm going to rely on God. And instead of it taking me out, the grind is going to take me over. You get to choose even though the grind is sent against you. So the Apostle Paul is teaching us about the grind. But what I love about what he says is the third thing and the last thing I want to share with you. It's where I want to spend my time. He says, number three, there is grace for your grind. You know, since this is the day that we're opening two new campuses, I want to share with you kind of a little bit of the the journey. Every time our ministry gets easy, God always asks us to expand. I remember the first time this happened. We had just come through a time of it. It's 2010-ish, maybe 2008, when the economy really just went down. And when the economy goes down on the outside, sadly, it goes down here on the inside. And so, you know, people were giving less and people couldn't pay for their kids' tuition and all that kind of stuff. And in like three months' time, our budget dropped a million bucks. Now, the only reason why you didn't go is because it wasn't your budget that dropped a million bucks. (laughs) Trust me, 76 people on staff, and we're wondering how are we going to pay for everything. 
And, and, and so we grinded and we grinded and we grinded and we grinded and we figured stuff out. And so and we finally got to a place where after a couple years, it became easy. And now it's kind of becoming easy. I'm like, I just need a little R&R. I'm going to take the family into New York City. We're just going to go see the tree and have a good old time. And we're walking, you know, toward Rockefeller Center. And I hear the Lord speak to me. He says, put a campus in New York City. I'm like, seriously, God? I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm like, I don't need no more pressure. I don't need no more, no more stretching of my time. I don't need to stretch the budget anymore. I'm just not doing it. There's no way. And me and God fought for two years. Has anybody ever fought with God? Come on, can we be honest? If, if you're, you just fight with God. And you know the interesting thing about fighting with God is you can't win. You know, and, and, and we think we can win sometimes. You know, we duke it up. We're like, all right, God, come on now. Yeah, tithe, I'm not going to do that. Pop, pop. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, go to church. I'm not going this week, God. And we think we can fight with God. And so we're going to knock God out. And all God's got to do is just touch us like this, boom, and we're done. Remember, Jacob, he's wrestling with God. You remember that? I mean, imagine trying to wrestle with God, thinking you're going to pin God. And God's like, enough. And he touches the hollow in Jacob's hip. And Jacob is like, man, why'd you have to do that, man? Come on. I'm playing fair, right? God will, God will just touch you. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with God. And finally, God wins. And, and we, we open up our New York City campus. And, and it becomes goes from easy to hard again. And we're just trying to figure it out. And, you know, half the stuff that God asks us to do, we don't know. We're just trying to figure it out. We're just trying to obey God. You know, we're like, God, we do the best we can, but we're relying on you here. And so we opened up the New York City campus, and this was real hard for me because it meant on Sundays that I couldn't go home for my big Italian dinner, and I couldn't watch cowboy football. And I was like, God, man, seriously? Because you know how this works, Lord. I said, it's usually you on top, and then cowboys right underneath you. And sometimes, God, if stuff ain't going right, cowboys go up top, and you go right underneath I'm just being real with you. And so it, it, it was hard for us. But then it got easy again. And everything was cool. And we found a new normal. By the way, anytime God, God, uh, you get something that is, that is easy, God will ask you to go into chaos for a season until you create a new normal. And so we created our new normal. And everything was all right. And things were going good. And then all God, God speaks again. He says, now go on worldwide television. I'm like, God, we don't have no money for that. He's like, it really wasn't a request. I was like, well, how am I going to do that? And he's like, here's what I need you to do. He said, I want you to ask my people, 300 of them, to give an extra $100 a month. We call them the one of 300 uh, partners. And thank you, one of 300 partners. You make worldwide TV possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so they did, we did. And, but it got hard because TV cost more money than the partners were able to give. And so it got difficult. And so we, we got into chaos again. And, and finally, then it got easy. And everything got on. And then God speaks again. And I'm like, Allah. You know, like you do when God speaks to you, right? Don't pretend like you just listen to everything that God says. You know, you hear God speaking, you like, get behind me, Satan. You know, you want to pretend like it's the devil. And God speaks again. And God says to me, now I want you to open. And this really got me. I was like, man, you're doing me dirty. Don't open one campus. Open two new campuses. Both at the same time. And I'm like, seriously, man? God, this is a, I, I just have conversations with God. I'm like, God, I don't really want to do that, God. I'm closing in on 50. I'm closing in on 50. Come on up here a second. Come here, come here, come on a second. Come here, yeah, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. I want you to say right into the mic what you just said. Say it nice and loud. Don't be bashful, Andy. I'm closing in on fifth. No way. See what I'm saying? 
like, I need to kick back a little bit. I need to just take my ease a little bit. God, I don't need to just add more to the plate again. And so I boxed with God a little bit more. And, and I want to just share with you our grind over the last 24 months. Waterbury, Atlanta, pay attention. This is the price that we paid. This was the grind that we paid. Here's what, I, here's what we went through. Over the last 24 months, we looked at hundreds of resumes before we landed on Pastor Joseph and Jasmine in Atlanta. Shout out to Pastor Joseph and Jasmine. We had to restructure our entire organization. We had to hire 14 more people. We had to recruit over 50 more volunteers. We ran over 500 radio spots. We added four more television networks. We placed thousands of ads on social media. We spent over 400 hours on planes and in airports. We purchased $250,000 worth of equipment. We procured two new locations. Thank you, Damon and Natalie in Atlanta for giving us your location. We raised over $650,000 because of your generosity to make it happen. We stayed up to 3 o'clock in the morning more times than I wanted to. We stretched our church budget, which was comfortable, to uncomfortable places. I asked my staff to work harder than ever before for no promise of a pay increase. And I questioned my sanity over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But do you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. You want to know why? Point number three. Because there's grace for your grind. There is grace for your grind. Listen to what God told the Apostle Paul. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when we hear God say this, we, we miss what God is saying. Because when we hear sufficient grace, we hear our moms talking. Anybody, any, any, my mom used to say things like this, not in these words, but here's what I would hear. If I was teasing my sisters too much, she would say things like, that's sufficient now. She really would say that's enough now, but, but it means that's sufficient now. Or, or if I was eating too many cookies, I've been eating too many cookies ever since I'm this big. She would say, okay, that's sufficient now. And what she meant is that, that that's enough. And sometimes when we hear this, my grace is sufficient, it's almost as if we hear God saying, that's enough. And can I tell you, whenever you hear God saying, that's enough, when it comes to something that he wants to give you, you have not heard God correctly because God is not enough. God is more than enough. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so Paul heard sufficient grace. Can I tell you what sufficient grace literally means? He's saying to Paul, Paul, you've been grinding through shipwrecks. And Paul, you've been, you've been grinding through beatings. And you've been grinding through being hit with rods and whipped with, with a Roman cat and nine tail. And you've been grinding through betrayals by your own countrymen. And you've been in perils in the deep. And you've been left for dead. And you've been stoned. But Paul, I got good news for you. There is sufficient grace for your grind. Here's what God was saying. This word sufficient comes from the Greek word archeo, A-R-K-E-O. And it literally means unfailing strength. Now think about this for a moment. The devil assigns a messenger, an imp, to go after the apostle Paul for the sake of stopping him from preaching the gospel because 
the grind is sent to work against you. And he sends this, this imp, and everywhere the apostle Paul goes, something happens to stop him. And so could you imagine the first time he's shipwrecked? The devil's probably thinking, oh, he's going to quit now. But the apostle Paul keeps grinding. And then he thinks, okay, we're going to whip him one time. And he whips him one time and thinks he's going to quit now, but he keeps grinding. And he whips him a second time, and he keeps grinding. And a third time, and he keeps grinding. And a fifth time, and he keeps grinding. And then he stones him and leaves him for dead, and he keeps grinding. And then he beats him with rods, and he keeps grinding. And then he causes them to go hungry and it keeps grinding and causing them to go thirsty and it keeps grinding and causing them to get betrayed by people close to him and it keeps grinding and the devil is thinking what do I have to do to get this guy to stop Paul was working in unfailing strength. Can I testify to somebody? When you begin to walk in your grind, you get something called unfailing strength so that no weapon formed against you can prosper. It will come against you, but it will not knock you out. Unfailing strength. You're like a weeble wobble. You get knocked over, but you keep coming back up. And you know, the Bible actually likens us to a weevil wobble. It says that we're like the palm tree. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. You get blown over in the storm, but guess what happens? Up you come again for another storm because you've got unfailing strength on the inside of you. Paul's sufficient, sufficient grace, unfailing strength. But it also means to protect It also means to erect a barrier. It also means to to ward off. And see, God wasn't saying, Paul, I can't help you with this. Imagine how some people have butchered the interpretation of this verse. They actually think Paul went to God, said, God, I need some help. And God said, no, I can't do nothing for you. Come on. Does that sound like God? He who gave up his only son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? God loves us so much. God's not going to leave us off on an island. God's not going to leave us without any help. He didn't say, I can't help you. He said, I got something that will help you. It's called grace, and it's the most powerful force on the universe. It's greater than all of your sin. It's greater than your wanderings. It's greater than what the enemy throws your way. The grace that I want to give you will protect you. It will be a shield around you, Paul. But then the third definition of the word grace is my favorite. Do you know what it literally means? It means to to man up. Grace to man up. Ladies, look at your husband. Tell him right now. Say, man up. Come on, come on. Say it right. Say it right strong. Man up, man up, man up, man up. Some of you, this is the first time you've been able to say what's in your heart all along. Just look. Say, man up. This is what grace is for. Because sometimes when you're going through a grind, how many of you know sometimes you don't feel like you measure up? You don't feel like you measure up. And when you don't feel like you measure up, you need strength beyond yourself to man up. There is grace for your grind. I want to close with a couple of last thoughts. When you realize that there is grace for your grind, you realize that you were built for your grind. This is the problem with us. We, we try to live out somebody else's grind. We try to walk in somebody else's gifting. And we have to realize we don't have grace for their gift. We don't have grace for their grind. But we've got grace for our grind. Our grind comes with the grace that we need for that grind. The other day, we were walking out of the office after looking at 
everything on paper. Has anybody ever been discouraged when you look at stuff on paper? Can I, can I see you? I need, a, I need some love on this one because I was discouraged. I'm looking at how stuff looked on paper. I was like, a few months ago, this was easy. We're now looking at two new campuses and, man, that don't look too good. How many of you know whenever God expands you, it never looks good? Because God wants you to exercise some faith. God wants you to do everything that you can, your own strength, but know that at the end of the day, it's all dependent upon His strength. That unless God builds a house, they labor in vain, that building. And so we were looking at this thing, and can I just be real with you for a minute? I was looking at this. I wanted to curse. I didn't say I did curse. Y'all, y'all just got, oh, pastor wanted to curse. As if you don't curse. I don't ever curse, by the way. I just want you all to know that. But you know when your thumb gets hit, you'd be like, mm. When you stub your toe, when your spouse gets underneath your nurse. So don't look at me in that tone of voice when I said it. It made me want to curse. I was just tempted to curse. Temptation is not a sin. And then the Holy Ghost said something to me. And I was walking out with our new chief of staff who I haven't introduced to you all yet, but I'll introduce her to you in the next coming, coming weeks. We had, had to hire a chief of staff because my plate was too full. So I needed to take some off of my plate and dump that load right on her. <laughs> Here you go. Enjoy yourself. Right? And so we were walking out, and I said, we were looking at that paper. I said, I was built for this. She said, you actually studied for it because we were looking for at all of the finances and I studied accounting and business and all that kind of stuff. I said, I was built for this. What did I mean? I meant this, that. Even though it's a grind, God has given me unique grace for this grind. No matter how hard it gets, I've got grind for it. I've got the temperament for it. I've got the know-how. I've got the intelligence. I've got the gift that I need. And you know what? you got gift for your grind. If you're a mom and you're a maid and you're a taxi service and you're a cook and you're a career woman and you're a tutor, guess what? There is grace for your grind. If you're a dad and you're a coach and you're the one that everybody looks up to, there's grace for your grind. If you're a student and you got family obligations and you got sports and you got peer pressure and you got studies, there's grace for your grind. Your grind comes with God's sufficient grace. Stay in your grind. Don't try to live out somebody else's grind. There's, there's grace for your grind. You're, you've been built for your grind. The apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Can I tell you what that means? It means not only are you, are, are you who you are, but you're not who you're not. Mm-hmm. Let that meditate for a second. You are who you are, but you are not who you're not. Stop trying to be a cheap imitation of somebody else. This is a fact. When God created you, he broke the mold. God doesn't reproduce stuff that is the same. It's everything's like him, but everything is uniquely, uh, individually crafted to be a masterpiece all by itself. Something ceases to be a masterpiece once you create a copy of that particular thing. It loses its value. And God said you are masterpieces in Christ Jesus. And because you are unique, you've got to walk out your own individual grind. You are who you are, and you're not who you're not. You've been built for your grind. You've been built for your grind. The second thing, when you realize there's grace for your grind, is you you grind gladly. Did you ever notice how 
the grind can make people grumpy. People get real grumpy with their grind. But do you know that when you realize there's grace for your grind, you grind gladly. The apostle Paul said, I was the least of the apostles, but I worked harder than everybody else. I, 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 just, I just put it all out there. Why did I work so hard? I didn't work so hard, listen to me, to earn God's grace. We're on that rat race of trying to earn God's grace. If I come to church this week, God will answer my prayers. Oh, if I tithe, then, then surely God will answer my prayers. If I serve, I mean, I'm in God's good graces for at least a good 30 days. And, and if I behave myself and, and if I don't curse too much, I earn God's grace. And the more that I do, the more that I do, the more grace that I have. Can I tell you that you don't grind to earn God's grace. You grind because you've received God's grace. You should have been dead. You should have been on your way to hell. But now you're on your way to heaven. You are on the wrong path, but now you're on the right path. God saved you. God picked you up and because you are who you are by the grace of God you cry not to earn it but because you received it God's not going to love you anymore because of what you do but because he's already loved you despite yourself you grind gladly with a smile on your face not all upset that you got to do something for God but, but gladly and lastly lastly today when you realize there's grace for your grind, you grind knowing you'll see the glory. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He said, for our light affliction, think of what you're going through right now. Think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. It's light. It's light, light, light affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly eternal, great weight of glory. What's he saying? Translation, I grind knowing I'll see the glory. Let me give you one story from our Waterbury campus, from our Waterbury campus. Listen to what this person wrote in. I have eight children, ages six months to 14 years old. We have no transportation and live right across the street from the mall. That's where our Waterbury campus is. I and my family have been wanting a new church around here. We've been praying hard. Jennifer, your prayers have been answered. Jennifer, our grind. You are the glory of our grind. Can I, can I just tell you something? Our glory around here is when we get to see people know Jesus. Our glory around here is when we get people to know that the God of heaven is a good God. That with Jesus you are destined to win. I want to encourage you this morning at every location right here in New Milford. Keep grinding because there's glory on the other side of your grind. Don't give, don't give up because there's glory on the other side of your grind. God will come through for you. There is glory on the other side of your grind. Keep grinding. Give it everything you got. Grind, 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 grind. There so is glory.